Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, we're going to talk about an issue that affects a lot of us, and that is the role of caregiving and taking care of our spouses, taking care of our uh, friends or relatives, and also just simply taking care of our parents. Uh, this is important to talk about because especially as we navigate the pandemic and as we have now internalized after seven months that a lot of us unwittingly and seemingly unplanned found ourselves in the role of caregiving, whether we liked it or not. We had to care for someone who had been struck with coronavirus, invariably someone we're close to. It could have been a neighbor. It could have been a friend. It could even have been a spouse, a child, uh, a, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a loved one, somehow. And so today I want to talk about men, men who are primary caregivers, who find themselves slapdash in the role of being a caregiver, and how impactful this is, and how they're doing it, and are not asking for help, they're hurting, not asking for help, and somehow are finding themselves dealing with it and after the person has left or has died is when they crash. So we want to talk about it because it's an important facet to our human condition. The world has changed. Men have always been caregivers. I think men have just silently been caregivers. But now we need to start acknowledging that there are some men who had no choice but to take care of their sick wives take care of their sick girlfriends, take care of a sick child, and take care of a mom or a dad with a debilitating disease. I want to talk about it. I came across this article. I have to give a shout out to my, do- my daughter, Alexandra, uh, who brought this article to my attention. And she said, Mom, this is so relevant, and this is something that you should talk about. So I thought I would head off, and I read the article, and I was so touched because I myself, I was, I'm the eldest child, so naturally caregiving fell to me. I mean, everybody else took off. They weren't going to help mom. So I, I get it. I get it. It's very, it's very emotional because especially when you take care of a parent, the same parent who when you were a baby took care of you is the same parent who now are vulnerable and you have to take care of them. The same way that you were vulnerable when your parent had to go to work and you had to stay home from school and not say anything, now you're seeing the same vulnerability you felt. You're seeing it in your parents' eyes. I remember how it felt when I had to take care of mom. I'm going to be a mess after this. <laughs> I probably am going to need lots of tissues and so on. So come on, ride with me as we take a journey into what it must feel like to be a caregiver, and especially for a man, a man from a man's point of view. I also think that black men don't get a lot of credit for the caregiving role that they play in our communities, that oftentimes people have had to give up a lot in order to be the caregiver. They become the primary caregiver for a sick parent or for a parent who is older, and they give up their lives literally to care for that parent. They move in with them. They take care of them. They sometimes have to manage work. That balancing act of having to leave work early or just maintaining the status quo, keep going to work, but still having to take care of a parent. It's it's, it's a tough, tough situation, really tough. So I'm going to give some credit to uh, nextavenue.org. That's where I found the story. And I found it so relevant that I, I I wanted to talk about it. So the story is about how men have become caregivers. And we don't need to ask that. But let me give you some numbers so that you have some idea. 
the average caregiver in America is a 49-year-old woman. I didn't even realize how much of a statistic I was in 2014 when I had to start taking care of my mom. I was just at that point where I had become this statistic and was living it in real time. I was taking care of mom and raising my own child at the same darn time, right? The average caregiver in America is a 49-year-old woman. Listen to this. Uh, that's 40% of caregivers, 40% of caregivers in America, or 16 million, are male. Did you hear that? 40% or 16 million people in America who identify as caregivers are male. Of that number, 2.3 million are black, black men. So what is the reality and what is the perception? Well, To be honest with you, I never thought about this, so I'm just as guilty as the rest of the society in not recognizing that men are also caregivers. I'm just as guilty. I I just never paid it attention. I mean, when if you've ever taken a parent to the doctor for medical treatments, uh, you sometimes see them, but you you just think that, oh, that's so cute. That's a son helping his mom or helping his dad. It, It just never occurred to you that Taking them to the doctor is the least of that they do. That's just one part. But you know what shocks me is that a lot of caregivers end up dying before the person they're caring for. Happens all the time. I mean, there's an ad running on TV that advertises uh, an eye product. I can't remember which one it is. And this, the, the, the woman in the ad is 96. And she says her husband was her vision. So when he died, she knew she had to change. And I remember thinking to myself, imagine that, the person who is caring for the person, the person providing the care, the caretaker, the caregiver, ends up dying before the person who is ill. The stress of it. Do you know how emotionally taxing it is to take care of someone you love? I I, I give a real shout out to parents who have been taking care of their child from birth to now. You deserve a medal more than anything else. And we wrap our arms of love around you because you deserve it. And for men who have had to take time off from work to drive a sick spouse to the doctor back and forth, then pick them up, then go home, make dinner, make sure they're fed, make sure they've had a bath, catch some Z's maybe for yourself, all the while making sure they're comfortable and living and still going to work. And no one at work knew that your wife is sick or you're taking care of your mother. You're still managing. I am telling you right now, get some help because you will crash. That's what happened to me after mom died. I tried to tell my siblings that I needed some help to take care of mom because the emotional strain was too much. My mother had always been mom, right? So she was strong and always, it never occurred to any of us that there would come a point when, I'm crying, tears are running here, sorry. It never occurred to me that there would come a time when mom would not be mom. And then when the time came and it was obvious that she needed help, it was devastating. The disease process was devastating. The quickness with which it happened, the onset and the quickness was terrible. But the emotions that I went through watching her being in pain, and there was nothing that I could do to help. You know, they used to make me administer pain medication to her intravenously, and I tell you, it was the hardest thing. She had to guide my hand and tell me it's okay. I couldn't do it. The nights when she would lay crying in pain, and I would have to go in the bed and hug her and hold her the way she probably hugged me as a child. I'm telling you right now, I give a shout out to all of you caregivers. And you've got to understand that I worked in healthcare. I was a healthcare consultant for almost 10 years and did not realize how taxing this was. I knew peripherally and intellectually that this was emotionally challenging. But friends, when I tell you that I had no idea that it would happen to me, this is the thing. I didn't think it would happen to me until it did. So we're facing this, and I think there are resources to help. 
but a lot of folks are not coming forward to help. In the story, we read one of a man whose wife, when he met her, she had had sickle cell, and they got married. Oh, my God, they were married for 34 years, and then his wife got sick. He works in Virginia, lives somewhere in Maryland, right? So he would drive to Baltimore to take her to the hospital. Then he would drop her off, drive back to Northern Virginia to go to work because work was close to home, right? And work, and he did that for two years and his boss didn't know his wife was sick. Sometimes he would sleep at the hospital because he could only see the doctors at 6 a.m. And after she died, he crashed. Well, naturally, because he had been so stressed, he was just functioning on pure adrenaline, just going, 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 trying to save life, trying to keep her, make her as comfortable. Some of the most devastating things that can happen to you are when the doctors tell you that all they can do right now is make your parent, your spouse, your child comfortable. That is sometimes the most, you realize you're losing someone you love and there is nothing you can do to stop it, to stem the tide of loss. It's monumental. And I need to, we need to give a shout out to people who are caregivers. Like we discovered, 16 million caregivers are men. And guess what? You guys are so gung-ho, you don't say anything, you don't reach out for help because I guess it's not manly. The hyper-masculinity society we live in that is so toxic that it makes men appear to be, if they, if they express any kind of vulnerability, they're less manly. You get a diagnosis and you go to the hospital and it's not okay for you to recover and be well. You have to come out of the hospital swinging from a tree and swinging from Air Force One like you're some gung-ho guy. The hyper-masculinity that forces men and compels men to not ask for help, even during times of great stress, is damaging emotionally and mentally. A lot of people think there is help available. You can go to counseling and there are support groups. There are lots of support groups based on your individual situation. If you're caring for a parent, if you're caring for a spouse, if you're caring for a child, and many of you guys are so good. You know, I had a friend years ago, he... I think it kind of finally knocked him because he was taking care of some of his friends who were uh, had been hit by HIV. And one of them in particular knocked him. And I said, no, this one didn't knock you. What happened was it's been knocking you for a while and you just didn't realize it. He had been taking care of friends who were HIV. So every time somebody got sick, and had to go into the hospital to either get treatments or when the disease had progressed to AIDS, some of them had nowhere to go, right? They didn't own a home, so they were renting, so they, got, you know, they couldn't work, so they can't pay their rent. So he would take them in as friends. And he, he, he actually had a room for that. Can you believe that he had a room in his house for that? And he would take them in and he would care for them because invariably they didn't have anybody else. And he said the reason he did that is because 10 years prior, it was he who needed help. And he said it was a woman, a girlfriend, who came and helped him. And he became their caregiver, too. He would make soup just like everybody else. He said they couldn't go to the bathroom, especially after they come out of surgery and they can't walk. He would have to help them clean them up when they go to the bathroom, make food for them until they're well enough to get back on their feet. Well, the last time he did it, it did him in. And I said, it's because you never asked for help. You never got any help. You didn't try to figure out what do you do. I am so glad that his life and mine had intersected because I felt that he, he didn't realize it, but he blessed me because he affirmed to me how I had felt about caring for my parents. And it was something that my family never acknowledged. And this is why I am doing this today. I am acknowledging you men who are caregivers and who are the primary caregivers for members of your family because I know what it feels like. They didn't acknowledge me. My own family did not acknowledge. They made it seem like I was supposed to be there for mom, like it wasn't a choice that I could make as an adult. You see what I'm saying? They didn't acknowledge what it must have cost me. To give up, what did I give up to care for mom? They, they, they didn't factor into that. And while I wasn't looking for affirmation, 
and acknowledgement. What I was looking for was some appreciation for the fact that I needed help. And when I reached out to my own family members and said, just cut me some slack, stay with mom for a three hour, four hour period so I could go get my nails done, go get a pedicure, go get my face done, something to relieve the stress. Or maybe I just wanted to go to the theater where I could sit for two hours in a theater and just pay attention to a movie and, and, and just get, nobody did. They didn't want to. They said it was my job. Well, bully to them today because they're the ones who are dealing with the guilt of not being there for their parent. Whereas I, oh, well, I don't have that guilt, right? I may have other kind of guilt. I may have survivor guilt, but I don't have that guilt. Do you see where I'm coming from? This is very hurtful. And this is part of the human spectrum of emotions. This is part of our humanity. This is part of what happens to us when we grow older, when we become adults. I know when we're born, they don't give us a manual that tells us what the journey of life is going to be like from birth, from conception to, to arrival <laughs> and, and, and to life progression. They don't give us a life progression manual. They don't tell us what is expected at each stage of the game and how to behave. They just don't tell us. Consequently, some people are more comfortable when their parents get older. They are like, my life is too busy. It's too full. I don't have time for this. They take them to a facility and I'm so busy. I can't get to see them. Sometimes it's not just that you're so busy. You make yourself busy because you don't want to feel the guilt of having felt like you abandoned them by placing them in a facility. And secondly, you just don't want to deal with it because you feel like I want to live my own life. What you really are is your own mortality talking. You're just really trying to deal with the fact that your parent is now incapacitated. And no, you have to deal with your own feelings of inadequacy. And guess what? It's perfectly okay. I am never going to argue with anybody who thinks the best thing to do with a loved one is to place them in a facility. If you've ever had to work and wake up in the middle of the night to take care of someone, and cancel all your plans at the last minute to take care of someone, then you would understand. It's maybe why today we don't have many children, because it's a similar thing taking care of a newborn child, taking care of a young child. You wake up at odd hours of the night because that's when the baby wakes up. The baby constantly needs attention, and they wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock in the morning. By the time you go back to sleep, you're dead on arrival, considering that you were up the previous night, the previous night, the previous night for months. That's why we probably don't have as many children today because it is time consuming. And the effort involved, the caring, there is love involved. There is an emotional attachment. So imagine if you will, you, you've raised your children. So you are like, oh, you have 20 years. I wish they would give us a manual that tells you that after you've raised your baby, you have like 20 years free. <laughs> Because after that, what comes next is your parent. And what happens is after the baby is past the stage where it wakes up every night and it starts growing, you don't even realize that you're getting a break because by the time your child goes off to college or graduates college, guess what? It's time for mom and dad. And for most of us, we can't ignore that. You see what I'm saying? Someone is calling and I just want to hear what folks have to say. Hey, you're on Down to Earth. Morning. Hey. Hello. Good morning. How are you, sis? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing just fine. All right. Where so we're talking, we're talking about okay. men who are their family's primary caregivers. What, what What's up with you? Uh, well, I, uh, you know, congratulate all the men that are and, um, you know, and if you aren't, you know, hopefully you are giving your wife uh, uh, the assistance that she needs because, uh, you know, to be honest here in uh, in America, uh, America doesn't always favor the black man or isn't always presenting favorable conditions to the black man. Um, so it, it can be a very trying and testing thing. So I'm not going to beat the brothers down who aren't being much of a provider or as they need to be, but I do beat the brothers down that, 
you know, rather than uh, making provisions and, um, you know, minding the business of the family. Uh, we got brothers that will wind up doing, you know, whatever it is on the outside of the house with their friends, with their, with the fellas, or, you know, with, with somebody that's not in the family. And, you know, those are the times that I do look down on because um, to say that, you know, you – or us as men, we should be the primary breadwinners or providers. Uh, but when you aren't, if you are not doing so because you're out there playing games, you're out there being, you know, uh, crazy and ignorant, then I, I definitely do blame uh, the guy. But it's something that um, we as men, I can't say that we've always been taught the right way as black men. You know, because a lot of us have been brought up in families where, you know, either either the family was broken, so it's kind of complicated for mom to tell you how you should be substantial enough to provide for your family, and she's not a man. You know, she she maybe can give you certain points, but mm-hmm. she can't actually render to you the instruction that's needed. So, um, you know, I think it's very important for us to recognize and assist those young young black men that may be having an issue because when you're looking at the culture in which that that our children are being raised in, it is the one that doesn't teach our black men um the importance of holding your family down. You understand it's the one that, you know, teaches our black boys, our black men that it's okay to be immature. It's okay it's okay to be frail and fragile in your thinking. You know, so so this is a, you know, this is a great topic. Thank you so much for calling in. So, uh, w- part of part of uh, part of our humanity, I feel, is like we need to just accept, uh, as the caller said, you know, he raised a number of good points. Uh, men who were raised primarily by their mothers, she had to struggle to tell them how to be a man. She really couldn't say it from a man's perspective. She could only perhaps pass along guidance, but it isn't reinforced because it's not coming from a male personhood, you know, from a male perspective, from a male voice, affirming the information that a mother may pass down. And I think too, our society is is also uh, responsible for that as well. Our society has been deficient uh, at the stake, literally, not providing the resources and making men feel that it's okay if you are the only child or if you are the male child, excuse me, of your mother and you are her male child and she has nobody else to care for her when she gets old, it's okay to have to walk you to the bathroom, to walk her to the bathroom. Let me give you a, a, an example. When mom was sick in the last, it might have been, to be honest with you, it's the week she died. I was still working. And I had taken some time off from work prior to it. I mean, every time she had to go to work, you know how that works, right? And my brother was in town. And I told him, I asked him to, it was the final week. My daughter was off. My youngest daughter was off. And I asked him to stay with her so I could go to work. And I said, the only thing she needs, she probably, she used to wait on me to come back. She lived with her husband who never took care of her. And I said, the only thing I could do is I have to go to work before they fire me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I left and went to work. I said, all I'm going to need you to do is walk mom to the bathroom if she needs to, because she was at that stage where she didn't want us, she didn't want you to wipe her butt. You didn't have to do that. Just help her get to the bathroom. Now, you know, my brother is stronger than I am, taller than I am, and bigger than I am. All he had to do was take mom out. He couldn't figure out how to navigate putting her in the walker or just to help her walk to the bathroom. At the time, I weighed 135 pounds. Mom weighed 260. I used to put my mother's arms on my back, and she was taller than I am, right? She, she was uh, 5'11". I am 5'3", all of me, without, without heels on. When I put heels on, of course, I feel quite tall. But that's, that's another story. And I used to put mom, she, what we would do to walk to the bathroom is I would put her arms on my back 
So she would use me as her walker. And I would, she would move her, she could only move her legs so much, but I would move mine and get her into the bathroom, help her onto the toilet, right? Because she refused to use a commode, right? She wasn't going to do that and help her onto the toilet. And when she was ready, I would help lift her off the bath, the toilet, and take her to the sink to wash her hands because she refused to do anything else. My brother, his only job that day was to do what? To take her to the bathroom. He couldn't even navigate her using the walker. My daughter at the time was 14. She called me and she says, mom, uncle is not doing this right. So I said, put the phone to mom. Mom could still talk. And mom, I said, mom, how is it? And she was saying, mm-hmm. So I said, do you want me to just come home? And she said, mm-hmm. So I said, all right. When my daughter told her that I was on my way, I left work. Because it, I became overwhelmed. I was like, oh, my God, you, the one thing I asked you to do, you couldn't do it. And I w- had to go back home to help my mom. She passed away about four days later. When I asked my brother, I said, you couldn't just take her to the bathroom? You know what he said? He said, that's your job. He said, that's you all's job. He said, that's my mother. I can't go touching her privates or going to help her to the bathroom. That's too personal. I said, but when she was cleaning your butt when you were a baby and you were pooing all over the place and when you got beaten up by dogs and when you were beaten up and when you were fighting and all kinds of stuff that little boys do and she was cleaning up. I said, she wasn't being your caregiver and your mom then. I said, well, this is what happens with life. We don't get a choice. They did it to us when we were vulnerable. No, they're vulnerable. We got to do it. And he couldn't get it. And I tried to understand from his perspective. But you see how the hypermasculinity jumped out that made him feel that he shouldn't have to touch his mother's body. I said, at this stage, she's still your mom, but she's helpless. And she needs someone to do this. So, And you are here. That's your job. And I salute men, black men, white men, Hispanic men, and every man who looks at it like when my mom is ill and, I, and she's vulnerable, I will t- step up to the task and take care of her. I salute you. I sincerely salute you and I appreciate you more than you could ever know. And I want you to know on this day, if nobody else in your family has ever affirmed you or told you how grateful they are, that you took off from work. Some of you have had to give up your job. In this report, they say 69% of men held on to their jobs. What about the, the remaining percentage? The 31% who don't talk. That means they lost jobs. They gave up jobs. You had to give up your life. Some of you are married, and you bring your spouse into it. It eventually causes friction in the family if you don't have a supportive spouse. Do you see what I'm saying? And it it brings a lot of friction into it, right? And what about men who were formerly single, you know, like you were just out there uh, sowing wild oats or whatever. All of a sudden, your parent gets sick and and you you choose not to be with anybody because being taking care of your parent becomes a full-time job in and of itself. In this report, they say it's easier for men to take care of their, their wives naturally and you know to perform personal attentive functions like going to the bathroom yeah because that's your wife so you're used to seeing her naked and you know you're used to that but for your mom and your dad it isn't you still do it anyway I salute you I have tears in my eyes just thinking about it it's something that is very treacherous emotionally and and it's something that somehow some of us have to walk there are some things in life that we don't get a pass at This is why I don't connect real well with people who are not connected to themselves because we are not connecting as much as we should. This is reality. Guys, when you are dating someone, these are the issues that you need to ask. What if my parent gets sick? And and when I say guys here, I'm talking about men and women. What if my parent gets sick and I have to be the primary caregiver? Is that going to be a problem for you? Ask yourself the question, what if you get sick or I get sick? Is it going to be a problem for me to take care of you? Is it going to be a problem for you to take care of me? These are the facts. Why? Because this is real life. These things happen in life. 
And somehow we find, when we find ourselves in these situations, nobody should question who you are. No, it's, it's human to deliver. When, I, honestly, I never thought that it would be me who would take care of mom because I wasn't her favorite child. She wasn't emotionally close to me either, and I wasn't emotionally close to her. She was my mom, and we had a relationship, but it wasn't, it was very dysfunctional, <laughs> to be honest with you. I was shocked when the job of caregiving fell on me. The people whom her other children, who were her favorites, they partied together, they went out together, they traveled together. The, those were the people whom I thought would show up for mom and be there. No, they weren't. Mom needed to go for treatments. They're like, I got to work and I have my own family to take care of. I don't have time for this. You figure it out. Boom, hang up the phone on me. Hung up the phone on her too. In a lot of ways, I think that's what event, broken heart also contributed to her quick demise because it's like, where's my purpose for living? The people whom I loved and paid attention to abandoned her. They don't see it as abandonment, but I was there. I saw it as abandonment and she saw it as abandonment. So for those of you who stay in the fight and take care of your siblings and you take care of your children who are sick, some of you take care of your friends, your neighbor, listen, you deserve more than a medal. If I could, when I have enough resources, I'm going to give you a trip. I'm going to give you a trip and tell you, go to the destination of your choice, anywhere you want to go in the world. Just go take some time off. Even if I just send you a gift card with $500 on it and say, man, I don't know if this can help you get, you know, just go to Disney World for one day. I don't know if $500 can do anything at Disney World for one person (laughs) anymore, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Because it is such an emotional, wearing thing. Nobody during that time ever asked me how I was doing. Not one person ever said, how are you? After the fact, not one person said, how are you? Nobody. And many caregivers face that. Many caregivers have never been affirmed. Nobody ever said, you go do this. You you ever notice in families that the job of caregiving always falls to one? Whether it's the middle child, the youngest child, or the eldest child, it always falls to one child. One or two of you, if there are more than three, more than one of you, end up being the one who stays with the parent. That person has to make adjustments to their life. While you are out and you can go do whatever you want to do, somebody else has to think about, well, I'm going to go out on a date, but I have to leave mom with someone, but I can't be too far. I have to come back because mom is, might need me. I don't want her to think or feel left or alone. It is, you hear the pain in my voice? It is extremely painful. I salute you in more ways than one. And shout out to you. There are men today, right? Black men. And I'm going to give you the statistic on this part of the population. You rarely hear uh, men talk about black men who are taking care of their, their, their family members. Some of them are bathing their mothers, right? And, and sometimes we only hear of a guy who he's, he just comes to visit, but he pays the bills. That's caregiving too. He's paying part of the bills, but the role of caregiving, providing the emotional and physical care, falls on somebody else. Some of these guys are making meals, and they're the ones who have when you're discharged from the hospital. When you know when your parent is discharged from the hospital, they're the ones who have to clean the wound. Anybody ever had to do that? Right? When mom had the biopsy, somebody had to make sure it doesn't get infected. I didn't know I could do that until they showed me how to. I didn't know I could administer medication until they showed me how to. To my own mother, it was so emotional. I was touching the body of my own mother. I was so helpless. I felt like a little girl. And all I wanted was to be her little girl. That's how some of you guys feel, but you're not, you don't get in touch with your feelings to express it. That what you really want is to go back to the day when you are just mom's little boy. You're her son who is out running and playing ball. And she's the powerful parent. She's the parent who is in charge and takes care of you. Have you had a shower? Have you eaten? And instead here you are finding that you are the one taking care of your parent. I want to tell you that you are loved more than you know. From somebody who lost the mother, I am so grateful that you are taking care of yours. Some of you are taking care of your friends 
and neighbors, and guess what? And your grandparents. Listen to this. The average African-American male caregiver is 48. One-third of them are caring for a parent or parent-in-law, and the rest are caring for spouses or partners. Are you listening to me? Imagine taking care of your in-laws. You've developed a relationship with someone whom you're not related to by blood. But this is your spouse's parents, and you are taking care of them. You imagine how that person feels? They feel just as grateful that a child, another human being whom they didn't raise, is taking care of them. And we need to, as a society, I know in America we're so full of capitalism, and we're so full of ourselves and the individual that we don't pay attention to our group dynamics. We don't understand the importance of family to society. We don't pay attention to working of family dynamics and family relationships because they're important to our survival. We still see ourselves as one man on a ship, one man on a sea, and it's me and me alone and, and, and just keep doing that. And so we navigate our relationships accordingly, when in fact, that's not true. That's why some guys walk away from taking care of their children because they're like, well, they're going to grow up anyway. Not realizing that there it will come a time when you will become the child and they become the parent. So when that time comes, when you weren't there for them when they were little, they're going to park you in a nursing home. Let me tell you how I know this is true. My, my, I have two daughters. I have two children. My two daughters, uh, the other day, earlier in the pandemic, when, you know, we all were at home and stuff, we have time to talk, right? And the subject came up about me. And I'm like, I don't want to ever go to a nursing home. And my children said, you never, ever will. And I said, huh? And they're like, you really think we're going to sit here and park in a nursing home? So I said, well, that's what children do. You know, you're busy, you'll be busy. And they said, no, mom. We're going to have either someone take care of you in your own home or you're going to move to live with us in a place where you're close to us and we can have someone supervise you. But we're not going to leave you like that. And I said, why? And they said, here's the thing. You want to hear what they said? Because you never left us. They said, of all the things that could have happened to us, our father left. But you never left. You stayed. You helped us when we were vulnerable. You never abandoned. You never told us, you're on your own. Go do what you want to do. You never did that. You were always there. And I tell you, I'm driving down the street, y'all. Tears were running down my eyes. Because I can't begin to tell you when I worked in healthcare, how many people, especially men, whom I saw come into facilities, who, how many people who had been abandoned. But And I used to ask the question of social workers, so where are the kids? And when you listen to the other side of the coin, it was that they were never there for their families. So now when you get older, they're not there for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I know we live in a society that promotes the idea that we're all independent. Have you ever heard that? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't rely on your family. We live in an economy that is so shattered and broken, especially to the black community and to the Hispanic community. People have no choice but to move in with one another. There are Asian Americans in San Francisco right now who 17 people live in a house. That is a reality. Yes, that's a reality. And yet we live in the society that says, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. We don't encourage family dynamics. We don't tell people that you need family and that you have to support. I kid you not, even after my mother's family did the most dastard things, I forgave them. Because at the back of my mind, before mom died, I kept saying, when mom goes, you know, we're all going to need each other. We're going to need each other. I tried to rise above it, even though they were cursing me, calling me all kinds of names. That in-between period of the funeral, they, it was horrible what they did. Finally, I recognized that I couldn't carry their burden and mine, and I left. I said, you know what? You're all on your own. Don't talk to me. I'm going to go get healing. I even set up group counseling. Can you believe this? I said, let's all talk. 
and let's go to group counseling to help us grieve because we lost someone who was dear. No, they wouldn't participate. I said, all right, I can't help you. You're adults. Take uh, matters into your own hands and, and take ownership and agency of your own emotions. We're, because the society is so structured that I am me and it's me alone. No, we need each other to survive. Parents, when you're raising your children, be nice. Don't abandon them. Don't leave your kids unsupervised. Don't drop them off so you can go party. Don't drop them off so you can go have a smoke. Don't leave them with just anybody. Don't work so much that you don't you forget to spend time with them. Spend time. I, I, I tell you, my life changed. My youngest daughter needed me more. And I'm so grateful now that I had taken the time to spend with her and to be with her so that she's now in college. If I hadn't been there all those years, she would have never made it. I would have been too busy, too caught up. I, I met a man and I thought I was in love with him. Notice I said thought. And when I told him that I couldn't be with him because it conflicted with the time that I had to spend with my daughter because she was turning 15, she was a teenager, and stuff was just going to happen. And you could see where this could go the wrong way. He, he left. I said, all right. I, got to, I told him quite frankly, I said, I have to spend time with my kid. This is more important. I said, I have to spend time with her because I brought her here. I'm responsible for her outcome. So I have to invest in her so that when she grows up, she can't say I left her or abandoned her. Do you see what I'm saying? Guys, spend time with your family. Even for those siblings who like to tell you off and so on, still every now and then send a text. I'm telling you, my youngest, my mother's youngest daughter, she stole my clothes in November of 2016. That's the day before Trump won. (laughs) I kid you not. So I'm watching this election to see what the signs are going to be. <laughs> Laugh out loud. And she did the most dastard things. Here's the deal. I don't like what she did. I didn't like it. Chances are I will never let her get close enough to me to do anything like that. But every now and then, because she has two little boys, I still say what? How is it going? That's all. I don't, she doesn't have to come to my house. I don't have to go to her house. I still say, how is it going? It's not about her. It's about those two little boys. So they don't ever wonder, is there any other adult in this world who cares about me? Why? I was a child once. (laughs) I used to wonder that. So I know what it feels like. I'm tearing up and I'm sorry. I'm being emotional here, but this is an emotional subject. And I didn't know it was going to take me into this on this journey, but I feel for you all. I feel for you who have had to take care of a spouse. I mean, you're working. I salute you. You're getting up and going to work and still taking care of your spouse. Some of you are taking care of children from the day they were born. God give you grace and favor and blessings. Some of you are taking care of your mom. If, if you don't come home from work and feed her, she doesn't get fed. If you don't give her her medication, she won't last. I salute you. I remember when I had to do that for my mother. It was, it was unbelievable that I had, if she didn't eat, she lived with her husband, y'all. Her husband, he would never even get up in the mornings to give her a glass of water or help her get to the bathroom. I would get up and go to work by six. And she would wait until I got back home. I started work. I worked part time. I had to be back by 10, 30, 11, just so that she could, she could live. Are you hearing me? Because nobody else would. No one else took time off to make sure that that happened. And she would wait till I got back before she would go to the bathroom and have something to eat. I am telling you right now that I salute you all. I salute you. And you have support and their resources. Let me tell you about that. So many of you, the stress is unrelenting. Imagine if you have a parent who, is, who has Alzheimer's. Can you imagine how that must be? They can't even realize that it's you who is taking care of them. It's not always glory. Sometimes it's frustrating because they regress to a stage when they were like a child, right? And black men in particular, and all us black people don't know how to ask for help. We don't ask for help. We just do it filled with adrenaline until the day we crash 
right? We need to reach out some more, right? Uh, this is the real deal. 69% of black male caregivers are employed. And taking care of their loved ones has had an impact on their jobs. Some people reduce to part-time, work half, you know what I mean? Work, work less hours or they leave early. Or when it's time to go for a doctor's visit, you have to navigate that. Right? But you guys need to reach out for support. There is help available. All you have to do, pick up the phone, go to Google and look up for Alzheimer's support group for parents in your zip code, and you will find someone. Whatever it is that you need to help you get through this, Lord God, I pray for you that you will get through it because it is something that is unbelievable. When your parent or your spouse is very ill and you end up being the caregiver, it feels as if the very ground you walk on does not feel firm enough. Everything that you believe in life just doesn't seem to be firm anymore. It feels like you're uprooted and you're just floating. What you are, you're functioning on adrenaline. And I support you. I, I really feel for you. I feel for you. I support you because I know what that is like. Meeting with the doctors. Have them explain complicated d- disease processes that all of a sudden you understand. You never knew. You realized you knew so much about the human body until that time comes. Half the stuff you can't remember afterwards. But while you're going through it, you are just as knowledgeable as the doctors are. By the time the doctors finish explaining everything, I was the appointed spokesperson to speak with the doctors. So if I, I had to translate to everybody what doctor, what medical speak is compared to everyday, you know, to, to layman's talk. And if I said it was so, that's what they're like, well, that's what she said. She said the doctor says so that's what it is, right? You are, I salute you. You stepped in the gap and you have no idea how blessed you are. Can I just ask you a favor? Can you just ask for help? Some caregivers die before the person they're taking care of. Do you know what happens to the person you're caring for? You are their whole world. You are their whole support. Sometimes the disease process is such that it makes the person feel like they have no one. That's how my mother said she felt. She clung to me. If, if When I, I would go to the hospital <laughs> from early Then I would have to leave to go pick up my daughter. Sometimes I would just have her get a ride to go home. I kid you not. I would not leave the hospital until 10, 30, 11 at night. Do you know mom is calling me by 6 o'clock in the mornings? Are you up? You're not awake yet? (laughs) Why don't you drop Lisa off and come? What's taking you so long? I kid you not. I used to laugh at it like, Dang, mom, I, you know, I got home late last night. I just barely had time for a shower and you were, you're gone again. Pure adrenaline. I lost so much weight. I was skin and bones because the fright that I endured of watching my mom slip away, knowing that she was not going to come back, she couldn't stay, and knowing that I had to carry everybody else. That's what happens to you when you're the caregiver. Do you realize this? When you are the caregiver, it's not just the person you're caring for you're caring. You're carrying your whole family. They are tapping into your strength. Yes, I know. They look dismissive. They're turning their backs on you. It's because they realize they don't have the capacity to carry what you have. And that's why they're so awful. They're awful at you because they're projecting onto you their own insignificance and the fact that they can't do it. Forgive them anyway. Forgive them anyway. They turn their backs on you. Even you're taking care of your spouse, especially you men. I'm talking to men. You're taking care of your spouse. And the very children you have won't even help you with their mother. It's because they're leaning on your strength. As a caregiver, you are, have the capacity. And you end up carrying everybody. When I say everybody, I mean you're carrying yourself, the weight of the world, the weight of your belief system, the weight of your parent, your care, your spouse. You're carrying everybody. I just want to let you know today that you are blessed and you are loved and God loves you. God has not forgotten. Now, what I want you to do is to reach out for help. Go get yourself help. You're going to need care yourself. 
Go get yourself help and set a path for your own healing. After mom, I went to therapy and I filled my life with purpose. Yes, I collapsed. Emotionally, I was a waste for about a year and a half. And right as I started to recover, my father left. It was just like, okay, I I didn't work out for two and a half months, y'all. I was like, oh, I can't even get out of bed. I didn't want to wake up in the mornings. Because it had become like, are you serious here? Seriously, this is happening? Yes, it does. But you are strong. But strong people need to be propped up. We're human. Look at it this way. Our emotions are like a well. Something happens and we pull out of the well to survive and we tell ourselves that it's going to be okay. And then one day, your well runs dry. That's what happens to caregivers. Your well runs dry. You need us. All need each other. And you need help to put you back together again. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. It's been my pleasure and a privilege to bring this message to you. Join me again on Down to Earth as we continue to talk about the issues that matter. For more information, please go to my website, harrietkamuk.com, as well as visit my pages on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and get my books, Through the Fire, Musings of the Spirit, that are available on Amazon.com as well as BarnesandNoble.com. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.